with that. Um, uh, have you ever been the, the last one picked on the playground? Um, have you ever had a uh, oh a breakup? <laughs> doesn't feel very good when somebody says, hey, uh, I don't want to be your girlfriend anymore. Um, or worse yet, when they don't say that, but then they just kind of disappear from your life and stop answering your calls <laughs> or your text or whatever. Or uh, suddenly you find yourself unfriended. You're like, what's going on here? What? What? Why? Why? Give me some advanced warning. Um, I don't know. Um, rejection is, uh, <clears throat> is not an easy thing to deal with. Um, and in a lot of ways, it's not an easy thing to talk about. So we're going to talk about that this morning. I hope everyone's up for a really encouraging, motivating message about rejection. Um, actually, though, the message is about um, how to respond even when rejected. Even when rejected, every single one of us has either faced, has it gone through experiences of rejection, or we will go through. If you're young enough, and you and like my girls here, um, they've probably experienced rejection as well. Maybe they haven't been able to articulate it that way, but they have, and they will, and the rest of us will, and in fact, we will continue to be. We don't ever stop. I mean, unfortunately, in our, in our sinful, broken worlds, uh, rejection is just par for the course. But I think what we can do is go to God's Word and find out how Jesus dealt with rejection. We're in, we're in John 13. We're going through a series um, through John 13... 14, 15, and 16, we're, we're taking those chapters together, a series that I've titled Disciple Life, um, Jesus' words to his disciples the night uh, that he was betrayed, the night before he was crucified, and what he taught his disciples about what it means to be a disciple. And one of the key things he taught them was rejection is going to happen. In fact, it's going to happen to me. It's going to happen to me tonight. And I want you to know about it because I want you to know how to handle it. I want you to know how to deal with it. It's going to happen to me and it's going to happen to you. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John 13. You can also follow along on the screen. I'm going to start reading at verse 18. And in most, or many of our Bibles, our, our, our uh, English versions, um, verse 18 is right in the middle of a paragraph. So don't get too distracted by that. Um, if you don't know, the Bible was not originally written in paragraphs like we have in our English Bibles. Um, in fact, it was just kind of written straight through on whatever they could find to write it on, they wrote it on. They didn't have paragraphs. They didn't have verse numbers. Um, so here I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going with uh, some of the 
commentators who see in verse 18 a change of thought to from, from the example of the foot washing that we talked about last week to the revelation of this betrayal and how that's going to go down, how that rejection of Jesus is going to go down. So don't get too uh, worried about starting right in the middle of the paragraph. But if you would, follow along with me as I read aloud. Jesus is speaking. He says, I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, Buy what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out. And it was night. Let's pray again. Father, I pray that you'll speak through me the words that you want us all to hear. Lord, um, transform us by your word. We ask that your Holy Spirit will do this work in us and will empower us to walk out of here and do what it is that you are commanding us to do. God, what it is that you are impressing on our hearts to do because of this message today from your word. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I really have three ideas that I'm going to uh, point out through the text this morning as we unpack it together. And the first one is this, that even when rejected, believe. Even when rejected, believe. Notice in verse 19. Look at verse 19 with me again. He says, I am telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am He. So, here's a little hint when you're studying the Bible, reading the Bible. If you see anything that even hints at like a reason for what's going on or a purpose for why the passage is there, zero in on that. That's probably pretty important. The word that which is just a tiny little um, uh, connecting word in our, in our English versions, in our English language. The word that was really important in the Greek language. It meant there was purpose. There was a reason for what was going on. And so 
Jesus says that the reason I'm telling you this is so that when it does happen, you will believe. He says, I am telling you this. What is he talking about? What he's talking about is his betrayal. He says, I am not speaking of all of you. I know who I know whom I have chosen. He's not speaking of all not everyone is going to be blessed going back to verse 17. He says, "Blessed are you if you do them." Not all of you are going to be blessed because not all of you are with me. Not all of you are my true disciples. There are there is one among you who is not faithful. There is one among you who is not true. There is one among you who will betray me. In fact, it's going to fulfill this scripture reading. You heard it. You heard that this this uh, just a moment ago when Bill read Psalm 41, and it and it said, "He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me." Rejection, betrayal. Somebody who was intimately acquainted with me. Somebody who I considered a friend. Somebody who. We ate meals together. We shared life together. And this person has turned against me. That was the experience of the psalmist. And Jesus says, that very thing is going to happen tonight. To me. He went on then, as you saw in the, in the reading of John 13, 18-30, that this person is going to be Judas. He's identified particularly by Jesus. He's telling you this now so that when it does take place, you'll believe. But believe what? Believe what? Believe that, it, that Jesus was right? Oh, Jesus, you were right. I believe that. No. Look what he says he wants them to believe. He wants them to believe that I am he. That's how our English Bibles put it. I am he. The original language has this great phrase. I'm going to share it with you. I'm going to Greek out here a little bit. Okay? But it's really fun. And it's all over the New Testament in John's Gospel as well as in some others. The words are ego eimi. No, it's not, it's not lego my ego. But it's it, it might as well be. It's Ego eimi. Ego eimi. I. Ego is the word I. And eimi is am. I am or to be. The word to be. He says, I am. The original language just says, I am. The word I, the, the phrase I am is all over through John's Gospel. So just listen to some of these phrases from the words, uh, from the lips of Jesus, he says, I am the bread of life, John 6.35. He says, I am the light of the world, chapter 8, verse 12. He says, I am the door of the sheep, chapter 10, verse 7. I am the good shepherd, chapter 10, verse 11. I am the resurrection and the life, chapter 11, verse 25. Later on, uh, in a couple of weeks, we'll see in in Chapter 14, verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then later, later still, we will see him, he, him say, I am the true vine. Chapter 15, verse 1. 
In fact, he said this in chapter 8, verse 58. He said, before Abraham was, I am. What did he mean by that? He wanted his disciples to know what was going to happen so that when it took place, they would believe that he was, I am. Chapter 8, verse 24. This one you may want to jot down in your notes and go to, turn back to later. Look this verse up. John 8, 24. Unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Why was it important for them to believe that Jesus was the I am? If they didn't believe that Jesus was I am, they would die in their sins. That's pretty powerful. Any other view of Jesus is not going to save us. Any other view of Jesus except for Him as the I am is not going to save us. Jesus is not a good teacher only. He's not just a, an, an example for how we should live our lives. Um, he's not just very wise. He is the I am. The I am, this he is ego, Amy. He is Yahweh. He is the I am that I am, as revealed in the Old Testament scriptures. That's who Jesus was. That's why he referred to himself that way over and over and over again. And that's why he said, You must believe that I am He. It is so important that you believe that I am He. And, and I'm going to tell you this so that even when you're rejected, you will still hold on to the fact that I am. That I am. Well, if we believe that Jesus is I am, we have salvation, first of all. We have salvation. But we also can then endure whatever rejection we experience. Even when rejected, believe. Even when rejected, endure. Even when rejected, endure. Belief in, the, in Jesus as the I am is going to help us to endure rejection. It's going to help us persevere despite the hurt that we experience by others. When we're just seeking to follow Jesus, all we want to do is do what Jesus has called us to do. And then others hurt us. Others reject us. Others turn away from us. Will we endure? The disciples were going to face that exact same situation. That's why Jesus said in verse 20, He encouraged him with this words. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me. And whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. What did he mean by that in this context? I racked my brain all week long and I meditated on this. I tried to figure out why was he saying this truly, truly statement right in this context. And I think it's this. I think this is why. It's because he understood that receiving a disciple in Jesus' name, is to receive Jesus. And to receive Jesus is to receive the Father, God the Father. But there will be those, remember he said, verse 18, I am not speaking of all of you. There will be those who are not going to receive you. The opposite of receiving and welcoming and 
Come in, make yourself at home is rejection. Uh, no, thank you. Um, no, I don't want you hanging out here anymore. No, the door is slammed shut. No, I'm not going to return your calls. There will be those who receive us and there will be those who reject us. Our faith in Jesus, knowing that he is the I am, will help us to endure those circumstances and have a perspective that, that we can't have on our own. Have a, have a perspective that it's not really us that, that they are rejecting, but it's actually Jesus that they're rejecting. Because he himself was rejected, Jesus, this, this experience would have devastated his disciples. Had they not known, had they not been prepared, had he not shared with them, I'm telling you this now, before it takes place, the disciples would have scattered Scattered in, I, I dare say they would not have gathered back together again in the upper room to wait for the resurrection, even, even unsure of what was really going to take place. Even, even just, uh, even not knowing, is it going to happen the way he said it was going to happen? Are we left alone? Are we just going to be here to continue the mission that he gave us without him forever? And I still had a mustard seed of faith and it was kept intact by belief that Jesus was the I am and that they could endure this betrayal and endure rejection. When we are rejected, as I said earlier, it's not just them rejecting us, but it's actually Jesus whom they are rejecting. Jesus, troubled in his spirit, it says, testified in verse 21, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. We, we, we will be, or we will experience rejection. Even when rejected, Believe. Believe that Jesus is the I am. Even when rejected, endure. Persevere through it. But how can we do that? I want us to take a cue from Jesus. Look at Jesus and what he did in response. He was troubled in his spirit. The, 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 phrase, the phrase actually means that his soul or his spirit was stirred up agitated. Have you ever, um, have you ever experienced um, <clears throat> this kind of internal agitation to maybe a stressful situation or a circumstance? Um, maybe you felt it, felt physical trembling or felt a drop in blood pressure or maybe your heart starts beating and racing or maybe you have experienced cramps in your stomach. I've experienced that too many times, uh, especially in the last couple of years. Um, I, I think that what Jesus was experiencing must have been like that. As he thought about this one who he'd spent three years day by day with, 
Uh, every day of, of, of the last, of, of his previous three years of ministry, he spent with this person knowing that now the moment was coming when this person was going to turn away from him. And the thought troubled him. I think that's just over, I think that's understating it, I th <laughs> that he was troubled. It devastated him. He was in great anxiety because of it. And all he could say is, I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'm going to be honest with you and up front. One of you is going to betray me. He experienced this kind of anxiety. Why? I'm going to argue it's because he loved. Because he loved his disciples. And he loved the one who was about to betray him. He loved him. He said he loved them. Verse 1 of chapter 13 said, Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Who, he, who did he come? Did he come to Judas' feet and say, Nah, you're going to betray me. I'm not going to wash your feet. I'm not going to serve you. No. He washed all of their feet. He washed Judas' feet as well as the rest. He loved him. And it caused him so much anxiety because he loved him. Jesus loved his disciples, all of them, every single one of them, including Ju Judas. And he offered love to Judas. He offered love to Judas. I'm going to skip ahead to verse 26. There is when um, Jesus answers the question, um, the disciples are unsure of who he's talking about. They, they don't know. They're, they're confused. What does he mean by this? Is this another parable? Um, he's always speaking to us in parable. What is this betrayal he speaks of? One of the disciples identified as whom Jesus loved. So he gets the nickname, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he's only mentioned that way throughout this testament. Probably, not definitely, but I would, I would put money on. This is John himself, the writer of this gospel, referring to himself as the one Jesus loved. Not because he was special, Jesus loves me, doesn't love you, because, but because he's identifying that he's a sinner that Jesus has given grace to. And he wants people to recognize that I, it's not my name that counts. It's not, my, it's not who I am. It's not that I wrote a gospel or wrote some letters. It's not that I was an elder in the church. It's that Jesus loved me. I want you to know that about me. He's reclining at, at, at Jesus' side. You can imagine Jesus on his left elbow. Um, John, uh, his, his disciple, the beloved disciple, is leaning on his elbow right in front of Jesus. And Peter's probably... Uh, then leaning on his left elbow on the other side of John and Peter's whispering to, to John, hey, hey, ask him who it is. I want to know who this is. Check it out. I got to know everything. I got to be involved in everything. I need to know. So John leans back. Hey, JC, uh, who, who is this guy? Which one is it? Which one is it? Yo. And Jesus gives him the answer. It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. What did that mean? Morsel of bread. Here, I'm going to 
here, here, have this bread. I'm going to dip it in here. Eat this bread. Uh, yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I got my own utensils. Okay? I'm okay. I'll be okay, G Jesus. I don't need you to hand me this. But in this culture, <laughs> in this culture, what, what, the, what the deal was, was this was a, it was a sign of honor, a sign of respect, a sign of love. It was a sign of, hey, I'm the host of the meal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you this, this choice piece of bread or whatever it was that they were serving. In this case, is probably the bread that they were dipping during the meal. And he's going to give them this choice piece of bread as a sign that, Judas, I'm honoring you among the disciples. I'm singling you out for love. D.A. Carson, who's a great New Testament um, a scholar, said this, The host at a feast whose role is here filled by Jesus, might well dip into a common bowl and pull out a particularly tasty bit and pass it to a guest as a mark of honor or friendship. So culturally, we don't, we don't experience our meals like that nowadays, but that's how they experience it. They usually shared a common bowl that all the food would be there on the plate and, and you would reach in and you would, you would take the food from that common plate or that common bowl. And to show that he loved somebody, to show that he, was, he, he cared for them and he honored them, the host would take that and give it to somebody. And he did that and he gave it to Judas. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas. But look what happened next. You, didn't, you don't see Judas going, thank you, Jesus, for honoring me like that. Thank you for loving me like that. Thank you for showing me mercy and compassion, even though my heart is dark. But no, what happens? Verse 27, Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Okay, hello. This is a little different. Uh, I would maybe have expected maybe this act of love, this, this kindness, this, this compassionate gesture maybe would have melted his heart. I mean, it was Jesus, after all, who was doing it. Jesus loved him. Jesus was giving him this, this love, showing this love. And in return, all Judas could do was respond with Satan. Satanic thoughts. Um, darkness. Have you ever tried to love somebody who's been sort of antagonistic towards you? Maybe has rejected you? And so you try to do something nice for them and instead of them responding with gratitude or responding with kindness in turn, it just seems to embitter them even more. And they go... Well, you think you're so good showing, show, trying to show love to me or trying to do something nice to me. Well, that just makes me even more upset. I don't know if you've ever experienced that or ever felt that. I hope not. But honestly, if I'm, if I'm honest, I can probably think back to times when somebody who has been antagonistic towards me has tried to do something nice and instead of receiving it, I resent it. Probably because of this. Those who, <laughs> who are like 
Judas, they love darkness. They don't love the light. So when they experience a little bit of light, they cower away from it because they don't want the light to reveal the darkness in their own hearts. Perhaps that was what was going on in Judas's heart at this time when he says that Satan entered into him. Jesus said, what you're going to do, do quickly. They didn't know what he was doing. Uh, he may have been going to get more um, supplies or food for the feast because the feast um, was going to last another oh, eight to ten days. Um, so maybe, they were, maybe he was going to go and uh, go out that evening and, and get something or, or maybe to give something to the poor. In that time, uh, the, the people who were without means would come and they would gather at the gate. And so even on a special um, night like the Passover celebration, um, that night they would allow the poor to gather in the city gates to receive special gifts. Um, that didn't happen all the time. And most nights it was, hey, it's dark, it's a special night, go back to your homes or we're going to have you arrested. But on this night it was gather together, receive some gifts by people with means so that you can, you can get help. And so maybe that's what they maybe thought, oh, well, Jesus, Judas is going to take some money. He's going to give some gifts to the poor tonight. They didn't know because they didn't hear what only John, the beloved disciple, heard about who it was. But it says that in verse 30, so after receiving the morsel of bread, he, Judas, immediately went out. Instead of responding to Jesus' love, he rejected him further. And John ends this, this little scene by saying, and it was night. Now, I never want to make too much of things that aren't obvious, but it seems clear from the Gospel of John John does this all over the place. He has these little seemingly insignificant um, statements about the time of day or day of week or it was eight days since then or three days since then. I really think that John had something theological in mind when he said it was night. The darkness had overcome Judas. But... Um, would not overcome Jesus' plans. In fact, the darkness was coming on the life of Jesus, wasn't it? His arrest and his betrayal was coming up. His arrest, his beatings, his crucifixion, and his death. John says something very important, though. In his prologue, in his prologue, he talked about the light. He says of Jesus in John 1, verse 4 and 5, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Even when rejected, believe 
even when rejected, believe. Believe that Jesus is the I am. Believe that he is sovereign over those circumstances of your life. Even when rejected, endure. Endure. Persevere through that. Hold on to Jesus. Hold on to your belief in him. Even when rejected, love. Love like Jesus loved. Love those who reject you. Love your enemies, we are commanded. And pray for those who persecute you. How many of you are praying for the people that have hurt you, even this week? How many of you are praying for people who have hurt you years ago? Years ago. And you're still bitter about it. You're still hurt by it. I don't blame you. I don't, I'm not saying stop being hurt. I'm not saying stop feeling sorry about that. I'm not saying you shouldn't feel rejected and feel pain and feel sorrow. If Jesus can feel that kind of rejection and love Judas so much, he's going to go, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die on the cross for your sins, Judas, if you would return to me. If you don't love, if you, if you will, if you will accept the light, you can be saved too, Judas. Judas never returned. Judas never repented. There will be people in our lives who we will try to love like Jesus loved, who will never come back, who, who, who don't want to be reconciled, who want to remain in darkness towards you. But even when rejected, will you love them? Our challenge, I think our challenge today is to, one, believe, put our faith squarely and firmly in Jesus, the I Am. Any other concept of Jesus that you might have except for Him as the incarnate, that means divine becoming, becoming man, the incarnate Son of God. We need to get rid of those thoughts and believe that Jesus is the I Am, that He's Lord of everything, that He's sovereign over everything in our lives. We need to embrace endurance and embrace perseverance. We are um, we, we have this treasure, Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, we have this treasure that is our, our belief, our faith, our, uh, the gospel. We have, we have Jesus in our hearts like jars of clay. We're like jars of clay. We're just, we're just real fragile. We're, we're hard pressed, but we're not crushed. And we're, we're, we're persecuted. We're, we're not destroyed. We may be rejected, but we endure through Christ, through the power, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. And we love. I want to challenge us all. Is there somebody in your life who you need to love, actively love? Not just, okay, I, I talked to God about this and I don't, I don't hate this person anymore. I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to think bad things about him. or I'm no longer going to egg his house. Um, 
I'm not going to curse Adam under my breath every time I see him. No, but not, the, not just the absence of hate, but are you going to intentionally love that person this week? I made a difficult phone call um, this, this week um, to somebody who I needed to reach out to. I needed to show love to. Somebody who's estranged from me and, and I'm not sure why. And if I'm honest, probably the reality is that I've probably caused some offense. And I don't know exactly what that is. But I know that I have not intentionally shown love to this person. So I reached out. Unfortunately, it was only in the form of a voicemail. I pray that that gesture will be reciprocated. The jury's still out on that, and I'll let you know how it goes. I hope that reconciliation and, and love and friendship can take place. But even if it doesn't, it's my job to love. It's my job to let the light of Jesus shine in dark places. Will you do that with me this week? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for our time this morning. I thank you for the opportunity we have had to, to gather together and worship. I, I thank you because, God, you are worthy of our worship. You are worthy of us sacrificing whatever, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what it is. Sacrificing a little time, a little sleep, a little... Uh, some chores at home or, or a football game on TV or whatever it is, God, you are worth it. You are worth us gathering together to worship you, to love you together, to hear from your word and be challenged. And God, you've challenged me by this message. Father, help me by your, by your power, by your Holy Spirit, help me to walk, walk in the power that you have given me.